This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. The Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. This is the college football preseason betting recap show. I'm Stucky and joining me, as always, is Colin Wilson. We are less than a week away. I can smell football in the air. You excited, brother? I mean, we do this Best Bets podcast and then we get to turn our full attention to New Mexico State, UMass, and Florida International. I it's glorious. It's like a rush of adrenaline going through my body. Like, I cannot wait. We're, we're there. We're finally made it there. Yes, we will have, by the way, we'll have our week zero betting preview live on Thursday. We'll record that Wednesday night, so it'll be up for you guys on Thursday. Spoiler alert for the trash segment. I will be <laughs> talking about UMass, who I already bet and logged in the app and got a a number of messages of how excited some some were dread, um, but yeah, there's nothing like starting off the season with UMass. But more on that in the week zero episode today. We will go through every conference and give one or two of our best bets. And if you want to just mention a couple others, um, great. We have a ton of content out on the Action Network app and ActionNetwork.com. And if you missed any of our pre-season conference previews. Make sure you check those out. Colin and I did the Power Five, two episodes for the SEC, one for each division. And our Mike and Mike crew hosted the Group of Five, and either Colin or I joined for each of those episodes. So make sure you check those out today. We'll we'll only talk about the our favorites that, based on you know updated information and updated market movement, that we still like. Later in the show, we will also hear from the aforementioned Mike and Mike to get their best bets in the group of five before we then add though add our thoughts on those. So let's kick things off. Um, let's start with, I mean, I guess we can go ACC, go alphabetical here. Um, I'll get the Boston College. In a second, in the over, I don't want to forget them again. So I wanted to just throw that out there right away to remind myself and to shout out BC. But what do you want to mention in the ACC? 
I think maybe you and I have a disagreement on who's going to win this conference. It's a two-man race. I like Clemson in this case. I love Garrett Riley is the higher. Uh, Clemson out there, plus 350-ish, plus 300 is where I'd stop buying for them to make the playoff. Uh, it's one thing to win the conference where they're in a complete race with Florida State, almost nobody else. I mean, maybe Louisville with that trash schedule can make it to the championship game considering they dodge both Clemson and Florida State. But I'm going to go a step farther. I like this nice, juicy odds on – I mean, whoever wins between Clemson and Florida State more than likely going to the college football playoff. Clemson's schedule is soft enough where they can take a loss to Florida State during the season, win the ACC championship game, and still go to the playoff. So I'm going to take them plus 350 uh, on the Tigers. It's a lot of faith in Garrett Riley. If if Dabo is finally stepping out and not recruiting from within and he goes and gets Garrett Riley, he understands that, like, I'm hands-off. This is Garrett Riley's offense. Not going to interfere. I'm not going to pull a Jimbo and interfere. And considering what Riley did last year, I'm going to back that every time. Is this a Clade, a Cade Klubnik podcast? <laughs> it's definitely not yes, a DJU podcast anymore. Yes, it is a Cade Klubnik podcast. And, and a Drew Aller. We'll, we'll get to Big Ten. It is the DJU podcast. Spoiler alert. I will be talking about Oregon State. So I'm transitioning this podcast uh, into a DJU podcast for this <laughs> season. But yeah, I disagree with you on Clemson. I don't see it. But I do really like the hire of Garrett Riley. You know, it's kind of an admission from Dabo that, hey, look, I needed to go outside of my house and bring someone in and fix this offense because it was just an absolute mess. Uh, just the, the play calling, the scheme, and it needed a jump start. And Riley is certainly the man for that job. I'm going to go my favorite bet. I, I think we both agree on Wake under. Right under yep. six and a half. That's taking some money. I st- you can still find minus one thirty out there, which I would bet. So I like Wake Forest. I cannot see this team getting to seven wins. But for my best bet, I'll say Boston College over five and a half wins. This is taking a little bit of money as well. Uh, make sure you shop around as always. Have as many books and outs as you possibly can. And it's really important for every bet that you make. You know just half points add up, but especially in futures, you can see some drastic differences out there, uh, whether it's you know conference odds or win total. So just make sure that you shop around and get the best number. Those things add up. But I, I want to go Boston College over five and a half wins. Basically just need them to get to bowl eligibility. On the surface, you might say, oh, wow. I mean, the offense was a mess last year. They lose their quarterback who transferred to Pitt. And they lose Zay Flowers to the NFL draft. Their wide receiver room took a, a, a number of hits, and they lost some important pieces on in the secondary. So you're saying, okay, what's there to like about Boston College? Well, one, the schedule. The schedule is one of the easiest of any FBS team out there. There's really, if you look, eight winnable games on the schedule. Northern Illinois at home, Holy Cross at home, Virginia at home, at Army who's basically going through a complete overhaul at Georgia Tech. Tough one, but that does come after their bye. Connecticut at home, at Syracuse, home against Virginia Tech. I think they can get six of those, even without an upset elsewhere. And the reason that I'm higher than the market on this team is their offensive line. Last year, the offensive line was an absolute disaster. They were starting from scratch, and this was one of the worst rushing offenses in the country. They couldn't generate any push. It was just a mess. But this year, they get their best offensive lineman back from injury. They added two transfers who should slide in and start right away. 
and just that experience they gained from being thrown into the fire. I think their offensive line will be drastically better this year. That will allow Garo to actually have some lanes to run in. And Emmett Morad, who came in at the end of last year in the last four starts and showed some flashes, got some game experience under his belt. I like what the front seven brings back on defense. The secondary has some holes, but that's Halfley's specialty. So I'll trust that he'll patch that up and BC will do enough to get to six wins. So give me the Eagles, who I didn't forget about on this podcast, over five and a half wins. They also do for some positive regression, like the turnovers, injuries, special teams play. Uh, I think they might get a few more bounces than they have in recent seasons this year. Any thoughts on BC over? No, I agree with you completely on that, but I think I want to stress that I'm, I I still think Wake Forest still has a lot of meat on that bone to take the under there. Uh, camp has not really been any positives that I've heard, and we talked about it in our podcast on the ACC. This is a brand-new center, two new interior guards, and then a quarterback that is not the same size or has the experience in running the inside zone, which they ran a ton of mesh RPO with Sam Hartman. So we'll see if Mitch Griffiths can do that. Uh, not even sure he's going to be the starter. So uh, I definitely think there's still room to run on that Wake Forest under. Yeah, regardless of his size, it's just a big, big downgrade from what Hartman could do to whoever tries to fill his shoes. All right, let's move on to the Big Ten. I think we uh, we we talked at length on our Big Ten podcast, which got a lot of feedback, uh, some good and some uh, asking if we needed to check into a mental institution for backing James Franklin in the futures market in many different ways. I took Penn State 25-1 to 1 to win the national title, my only national title future as of now. Um, Colin, do you want to throw out some more hype for Penn State, or where do you want to go with this? I think everybody's heard our Penn State hype. Penn State hype. Uh, I'm not backing off of that from a Heisman perspective, from going to the playoff. I mean, I, I think going to the playoff is a much better bet than winning the Big Ten, so I would look for that. There's just more different avenues of celebrating it and what Penn State can do from an entire season perspective. Plus, they can take a loss, miss the Big Ten championship game, still go to the playoff as an at-large. So uh, I think you know we've we've really echoed a lot of that out there. I'm going to go back and say Nebraska under six. Uh, the juice is going the other way. Uh, so now you're getting a nice fat like plus 130 to go under on this from a projection standpoint, make it around 5.9. But this all goes back to Matt Rule as a head coach and what he did at Temple and Baylor, three and 21 combined, his first season at those programs. And that's because Matt Rule is all about establishing a culture uh, and establishing chemistry in the team and not really so much about, I got to have this many wins in my first season so that my athletic director, Trev Alberts, doesn't fire me. He's got a long leash here considering the cleanup you know, duties that he's got from the Scott Frost era. So Matt Rule is not a guy that cares about wins and losses in his first season. He's a guy that cares about establishing a culture. And I had them winning seven games, to, in my opinion, would be a miracle. Don't hate that at all. I'm going to toss out, Another under that I think you agree on, Michigan State, under five and a half. You have to pay a hefty price tag here, but I think it's worth it. If you want to go you know, with uh, an alternate win total under at plus money, I don't hate that either. But just, I don't know where, what this 
Mel Tucker is doing and where this program is headed, but it's not anywhere good. They lost after the spring. They lost quarterback Peyton Thorne, who is now was just named the starter at Auburn. They lost then their top wideout Coleman after the spring, who transferred to Florida State. And oh, by the way, they already lost Jaden Reed to the second round of the NFL draft. They'll also miss him in the return game. The offensive lining it. Who's killing it in the NFL preseason, right? I mean, how big yeah. of a loss is that going to be? Absolute stud. And by, by the way, special teams for Michigan State, a strength last year with Reed. They had a really good punter who got drafted by the Patriots. They had a good kicker that they lost. They could take a big step back on special teams. But on offense, it's like, hey, yeah, we got a lot of experience on the offensive line and a decent back, running back room. Okay. The offensive line was horrific last year. How much improvement can we really expect? And who's playing quarterback and who is the quarterback throwing to? No one is going to respect the downfield passing attack. So it's going to be tough sledding to try to get any run game going. And then on the defensive side of the ball, which it's been a mess, and they lose a number of key contributors in the secondary, two of their best D-backs, one to the NFL. I can't see their secondary getting any better. Yeah, they might be due for some positive regression. They had some suspensions and injuries last year. Didn't really have much turnover luck. I just don't like this unit at all. And the schedule is horrific. Out of the West, they draw Nebraska and road games against Minnesota and Iowa. Did not win the lottery there. And then, oh, by the way, what division are they in? They get Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State, as always. And that Penn State game comes in Detroit, which means they only have three true Big Ten home games. Also, two of their easiest league opponents, Rutgers and Indiana, both come on the road. I mean, there's just nothing to – and that Indiana game comes in between Ohio State and Penn State. There's just nothing to like about this schedule. I can't see this team getting to bowl eligibility. I wouldn't even be completely shocked if they lost to Central Michigan. In on in week one, I already took the chips, fire up chips, plus, you know, over two touchdowns. Since 1920, I tweeted about this the other day, the Michigan and Michigan State are combined 49-3 and three against the directional Michigan Mac schools. The three losses are Central Michigan at Michigan State in 1991, Central Michigan at Michigan State in 1992, and Central Michigan at Michigan State in 2009. By the way, that 2009 game was electric. It was uh, Antonio Brown, Dan LaFever. I mean, that quarterback who was electric. Central Michigan went down, scored with like 30 seconds to go. Instead of going for the tie, they went for two to win it. Incomplete, onside kick with 12 seconds left, recovered it, completed a pass, and then drilled a 44-yard field goal right inside the upright to win in East Lansing. Don't be shocked if they even go down in week one. This team's a mess. I don't really like anything about the Spartans game of the under. You agree, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, game of the year, the first one I played was Washington going to Michigan State, and that number has completely ballooned. And, you know, you mentioned Central Michigan. Oh, yeah, I didn't even mention that. They have Washington in, in the non Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, but that game is ballooned, so I, I wouldn't recommend that as a play anymore. But at the same time, that win total is still ripe. And I will probably guarantee that almost every single week – Stucky and I put together our round robin. We'll probably be fading Michigan State in spots that they're a favorite. Yep. Um, yeah, Michigan State under it is. Let's move on to the Big 12. 
I'm going to go. You, when we did our Big 12 episode, there was a lot of uncertainty around the Iowa State betting scandal. That number for Iowa mm-hmm. State has come way down. That's thrown a wrench into a lot of the win totals that I already bet because who knows what Iowa State's going to look like. Like now it could be a win for Cincinnati instead of a loss. Like it's a, that really right. threw a wrench and will be worth monitoring going forward. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw out Texas to win the big 12 right around even money. Um, you can find out there. I'd bet this up to minus one ten. I just think this team is the class of the conference. They finally have built out Sark and that staff have finally built out a roster that mirrors one you'd see in the SEC as far as depth and size in the trenches. This Look no further than the offensive line, which has been a weakness in recent years at Texas. It's now an overwhelming strength. It could, I'd argue it's a top five unit in college football. They have skill position talent for days, even with the loss of B. John Robinson. I love the defense. I love some of the transfers they brought in. I trust Pete Kay, the coordinator on that side of the ball. The schedule isn't easy, but I'm lower than the market on some of these other top teams in the Big 12. And I think the Horns get it done and get to their first Big 12 title game, shockingly, since 2009. I know it wasn't played for a couple of years, but that's still a wild stat. Is Texas back? I'll say, I'll hedge and say, partly. They could really make noise on a national stage in the college World playoff if Quinn Ewers takes that next step. Did he work on his footwork and improve his downfield passing? That's what's really missing. Uh, was missing last year. Really cost them against TCU. That's If he improves his downfield passing efficiency, look out. Texas will be back. Even if you know he's not all the way there, they might not be able to compete for a national title, but I still think they can certainly win the Big 12. And plus, there's uh, a lot of quarterback depth which not a lot of teams have that luxury. So give me Texas to win the Big 12. I think they finally get it done on the 40 acres. What could go wrong? Do you agree? (laughs) Completely agree. They were the first bet that I made out of the gate uh, back in May. Uh, I would play it up to minus 120. That is considering the odds it would take for them not to get into the championship games, considering the round-robin format and the fact that they would have to finish third to not make the championship game. There's just too big of a gap between Texas and the rest of the teams. That includes my favorite under uh, in this conference, which is Oklahoma under nine and a half. It's it, it's more of a feel because mathematically I make it about nine point three, nine point one. So under is the you know is what's dictated from the math, but from just a whole perspective of the defense and Venables, he needs a linebacker, and Danny Stutzman's not the guy, and the offense is running extremely fast, but we don't have proven tacklers. There was some extreme splits with Oklahoma on defense last year. And I just don't see it improving because they don't have the players that they need to run Venable's offense as far as scheme dictating where players line up on the defensive interior and the edge. Plus, you know, stealing signs was a big part of Venable's at Clemson. He just doesn't have the linebacker to get that relayed in, get everybody lined up. And, you know, we'll see. I mean, I don't think the fast paced offense helps at all. I see a lot of shootouts, a lot of coin flip games. I definitely do not see a 10 win season once you consider their schedule and then my favorite over in this conference is West Virginia, by far, down to four and a half. I, I knew at Big 12 Media Days when I laid that bet that it would come down and I would probably bet it again. It's now at four Where and a half you? in certain places. 
I was at Big 12 Media Days. Cash your tickets. That's two. I can't wait to go to Big 12 Media Days next year with Prime. So, listen, West Virginia on the over, they have winnable games on this schedule. They're going to have a couple that they're completely outright favored in. They're going to be trouble for a lot of teams in the Big 12 because they've now, Neil Brown has said, I'm taking over play calling duties. He last called plays at Kentucky, called plays at Troy. He's going to take it over. And they have an identity on the ground with Garrett Green at quarterback, C.J. Donaldson at running back. They're just going to blow over front sevens that cannot defend the run. And a lot of the defenses in the Big 12 cannot defend the run. So with West Virginia having this brawling, uh, you know, identity and they want to go all ground, uh, I think that's bad for a lot of other teams for them to to have some of these coin flip games actually turn into victories here because they can establish the trench. Yeah, I mean, look, you're probably the first person that I've heard to show some love for West Virginia. So maybe that's a good sign. Country roads. Before we go any further, as a reminder, Big Bets on Campus is presented by BetMGM. So get in on the action with the king of sportsbooks. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION and get up to $1,000 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. That is the bonus code ACTION. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 or older to wager. 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789 or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Oh, for what it's worth in the Big 12, in our Big 12 preview episode, I mentioned Cincy under, which I would, I'd still like if I had to bet it, but the Iowa State adjustment has put it out of mathematical range now. And I also liked Kansas over, but that has taken some money since. So let's move on to the Pac-12. I will mention Oregon State because why? This is a DJU podcast i'm taking a <laughs> shot on the beeves 12 to 1 you can find out there to win the pack 12 basically what i'm doing here is just buying the upside of dju headed out to the west coast with a competent offensive coordinator 
and one of the best offensive lines in the country with an outstanding backfield, if he shines and lives up to his potential, the this team could win the Pac-12. They also get all their toughest games against the other top-tier competition in the Pac-12 at home. And I don't think the secondary is going to be as poor as some are making it out to be. I know that they had some important losses, but I really love this staff. This team is getting closer. And when you infuse – last year, they look what they did without a quarterback, basically. Now you bring in DJ, you change the scenery in a really good place. If he actually hits, then I think there's a lot of value in this number. So instead of going with a win total, I'm going to try and buy the upside variance of this team and go with the Beavers 12 to 1. I also like Washington State under six and a half. I would pay, right? Depending on distribution, the distribution, the schedule distribution, and you know, and then also I take into account how much I value a half of a win, and then around six, I will be a little bit more lenient. I might actually pay, uh, decide to pay for the juice around six because of bull motivation. So if I wanted to go over five and a half or under six and a half, in this case, it made sense to go under six and a half on Washington State. Agree on either one of those, and where are you going? I'm, I'm assuming you're going to talk some more about UCLA. Oh, of course. Uh, I absolutely agree on Oregon State. They are a huge issue to defenses in that conference that cannot defend the run with Damian Martinez and DJU running inside-outside zone. That, that to me, is scary. Considering what DJU does as a quarterback and creating yards after contact is pretty impressive. And then you throw in that running back stable. Uh, Oregon State's going to be a real problem for people. Specifically, where I line, it's just a nice comfort comfort blanket that he has. And it's, it's one of the best in the country. Yeah, specifically where I played them was against Oregon, uh, getting a TD uh, in, in the Civil War. So uh, that's a defense right there that has always had issues defending the run. Oregon State's going to make that a six-possession game with these new clock rules and, uh, and make them tap out. So I, I do love that there. I think there's multiple ways to play Oregon State. You'll hear a lot from them on our on our upcoming Saturday live shows. Yeah, but I'm going to go UCLA. I'm all over it. I love over eight, whatever number you can get on them. I, they were one of the first win totals that I hit. I also played them UCLA to win the Pac-12 at 16 to one. I would play it down to 12 to one. And the reason why this team isn't up there in the same odds and same win totals as the USC's, the Oregon's, and the Washington's in this conference is because of the quarterback position. I fully expect Ethan Garbers, who is now in a heavy quarterback battle with Dante Moore, I expect Ethan Garbers to be the starter here. He'll be the caretaker for it for the first three or four games before Dante Moore becomes a starter. You're going to see Dante Moore as the quarterback inside of all of their games. He just probably won't get as many reps or as many starts as they expect him to get. But the kid is as good as advertised, and I fo- expect him to follow the Dorian Thompson-Robinson path where in his freshman year he didn't start right away. Midseason he became the starter after he got to know the offense a little bit better and was kind of a surprise against the rest of the Pac-12 competition uh, what DTR could do. He only got better with time, especially with quarterback coach Ryan Gunderson, who we have absolutely loved ever since he came from San Jose State. So everything UCLA. And then the under that I love in this conference is Cal under five. Uh, some interesting offensive pieces that came in through the transfer portal, uh, but it's just 
not worked out whatsoever. Jake Spavadol, uh fired at Texas State, now the offensive coordinator there. But the problem all comes down to quarterback and that Sam Jackson might not be ready to be a starter. No grasp of the playbook. Um, great in a scramble routine, right? Great in, in generating scramble yards and going to look pretty good in, in certain spots. But at the same time, mistakes are going to be made here. There's not a lot of depth past him at the quarterback position. Cal's defense, I don't know what is going on in the Justin Wilcox area, is getting worse every single season. Last year, bottom 10 in havoc and success rate. Like, well, that's supposed to be Justin Wilcox's uh, bread and butter. So, not really sure what's going on on the defensive side of the ball, but this is such a quarterback offensive heavy conference that you can't have your defense going in this direction. So, I'll take Cal under five. Yeah, I like that as well. I wouldn't be surprised if Cal lost in its opener headed down to Denton when's the last time North Texas hosted a a power five team it's a good trivia question but yeah I mean Cal a lot of change questions on the roster going down to Denton in the opening week you know what that means heat that summer heat is going to be brutal for them to deal with so that could end up being a factor and it's a different heat down there that could work in in north texas's favor and wilcox it's 105 today yeah and, and i'm i'm north of denton right <laughs> yeah let's see denton yeah excessive heat warning wow. 104 104 107 107 107 105 it's the next five days what's, what's berkeley today i'm gonna go with 75 it's 64 currently yeah it's gonna be high as 75 <laughs> yeah so that that heat could certainly oh. Be a factor. We'll talk about that game more on our previews. All right, let's finish up the Power Five. And by the way, I agree with you on Cal. Let's finish up the Power Five with the SEC. Uh, I'll throw a couple out there. If you want to get crazy, our producer, Matt Mitchell, has given me shit already about this one. But Ole Miss... I think I got 25 to 1. I think you, you could find 20 to 1 still out there um, to win the division. I made the case on the SEC podcast. So if you want to go hear me sound crazy, make sure you check that out. I also, you want if you want to get. I, I guess I just sounded like a crazy person the entire podcast. I also bet Georgia under 11 and a half wins. I made my case there. Kind of a feel thing. I show a tad bit of value from compared to my projections. But I think Georgia is going to win the division and get to the FC championship game. I think they trip up somewhere, a la Alabama a couple years ago when I took the under 11 and a half and they lost to Zach Calzada. Uh, as three touchdown favorites down at Texas A&M. Georgia has some questions. That, you know, we'll see how Carson Beck works out and the offensive coordinator change. But I think someone gets them. They're the hunted now. They might be a little complacent. I think they trip up at least once along the way. Mississippi State under six and a half. I'll I'd pay uh, the extra juice to you know up to like I think minus one sixty. You can find I'd pay that. I don't see this team having any shot of getting to seven wins. And if you're looking for an over, I'll say my favorite bet is Kentucky over seven wins. You can find a, a minus 115, I think, even out there. Minus 120, 
shop around. Like there's there's a, a number of different prices out there, but I would definitely look for the seven. I really like everything that I'm hearing from all the people that I know close to the program. And this is similar to Boston College. Last year, I went under on Kentucky because I said this offensive line is going to be a problem and it's going to hamper the entire offense. Uh, I don't think that's going to be the case here. The offensive line, along with BC, should be one of the most improved units in all of college football. And I don't think that there's going to be a big drop-off from Levis to Leary. They also bring in Liam Cohen back as the offensive coordinator. And I think that's a big upgrade. And you can always trust this Kentucky defense under Stoops. So I think Kentucky's in for a pretty big year. I think they're going to end up with, you know, a big year for Kentucky, which is eight or nine wins. So I like Kentucky over seven. They have a really, really good chance of starting out of the gates really fast. And But they could easily be five and oh headed into that game against Georgia, which, you know, barring a miracle, they'll lose that game. But they should be able to build a lot of momentum early on. So give me the Cats. And don't I have my Kentucky shirt on. I'm in Lexington. Uh, don't call me a homer because last year one of my favorite bets was the Kentucky under. But this year we're reversing script and we're going over. Yeah, I mean, their they're schedule to start is Ball State at home, Eastern Kentucky at home, Akron at home, at Vandy, home against Florida. Like, that is a really good shot of starting 5-0. and Then you're at Georgia, probably lost in your home against Missouri, home against Tennessee, who you're really down on, who I'm down on. I think they get that game. At Mississippi State, a team I'm low on. It's a tough spot in between Tennessee and Alabama. Alabama comes to Lexington. That game's not an impossible game to win. Then they're at South Carolina, who I'm low on, and then at Louisville, which will be a tough game to close the season. But I think they certainly get to seven. But uh, I love what I'm hearing from this team, and I think they get to eight or nine. Any thoughts on any of those? Kentucky over, Mississippi State under, Ole Miss division, and Georgia under are my four favorite bets in the SEC. Any thoughts on what do you got? I'm with you on all those except for the Georgia under. I understand the Georgia under. I think it's, you know, it's really close, uh, you know, as far as a mathematical projection on 11 and a half wins. So, um, you know, I can see them dropping a game, although Carson Beck has been really good in practice, named the starter, and uh, he's got some outside weapons there, which, you know, with Kenny McIntosh being hurt, they've got a huge stable of running backs. But, uh, you know, I do expect a little bit of drop off on both sides of the ball. But does that mean they're going to lose a game? I'm just going to stay away from that and take Georgia to win the SEC at minus 110. And I'm treating that as a money line ticket in the SEC championship game. Completely agree with you on Kentucky. But I also love Missouri on the over at six. I love it if you can get it at that number with some juice on it. And if you got to play six and a half, that win total probably comes down to the Arkansas game. But I love the fact that Drinkwitz is completely hands off with the offense now. Says that he did, did not put... Missouri in the place that they should be offensively. He's handing it over to Kirby Moore, who comes in from Fresno State. And I, we're going we're gonna to find out real quick if it's the system that Kirby Moore built at Fresno State or whether it was Jake Hayner and a plethora of weapons in the backfield that they were always able to terrorize the Mountain West. But I believe in Kirby Moore and his system. They're going to move Luther Bolden down to the slot. He's going to be a force on the inside. They got Theo Wees from the transfer portal who averages more than two yards per route run for Oklahoma. They've got explosiveness on the outside. They're going to have explosiveness on the inside. 
I think Missouri is going to be tough for a lot of teams. And the team that I dislike in the East, you mentioned it, is Tennessee. And I'm not saying go out there and grab that minus 180 on the under nine and a half. That's way too far. I would never say lock that up for an entire season. But the alternate under eight and a half at like plus 150, plus 140, I will take that all day. This is a roster. I'm sorry, you can't sign Joe Milton up to do what Hendon Hooker did. Joe Milton lost his job in Michigan. Joe Milton lost his job in Tennessee to Hendon Hooker because the offense is all about timing and it's about route trees by the wide receivers after. I've taken some heat on Twitter saying, you know, they don't have weapons to do this. They don't have weapons to do that. Brew McCoy was 1.6 yards per route run. Uh, there, there are other wide receivers here. So, you know, Squirrel White is the exception, but the other wide receivers are going to depend on the outside to fill the Jalen Hyatt role. Did not put up the numbers from an explosivist perspective. Now that can change, but you need Joe Milton to hit you in stride down the field. That's a big part of this Tennessee offense when you do the stretch, the power raid. Um, so I, I just, it's not a good fit. And then their defense, you can't name any of the players that they have on defense that are in first or second team preseason SEC, all SEC. It's going to be a problem on defense again. They lost their best edge rusher. Um, so I don't see a lot on the defensive side. Schedule gets a little bit tougher. Uh, you know, sign me up for Tennessee on the under and the alternates. I don't hate it. I've, I've started to come around on your take there. And yeah, you like Missouri. I like Kentucky. Kentucky getting that game at home at Lexington against Tennessee will certainly help. Look, can I say this? Can I say this? Yeah. The second Joe Milton's not the quarterback and Nico's the quarterback, that that power rating might take a dive. Oddsmakers may, you know, take a dive on the power rating. I'm all in on Nico. I'm all in. I'm ready to back Tennessee when they get deflated in power ratings and Vegas odds and Nico's a quarterback. I'm ready to back you guys. It's just a problem that I have with Joe Milton. So stop trying to get on the good side of Tennessee fans. Just just be the villain. <laughs> just be the villain and wear it all year. All right. Before we give our thoughts on each of the group of five conferences, let's throw it to Mike and Mike for their best bets. Thanks, Stucky. And here with me is Mike Ionello. I'm Mike Calabrese. We are the G5 Deep Dive, so please listen to us throughout the season for everything in the group of five. I kick it to Ionello first for his favorite season-long play, future of the year. Yeah, I'm going to the, the new-look American. So SMU is a team I'm looking to step up in this new AAC. They started a collective to pay $30,000 to every player on their team, which has really helped them in the portal. It's really helped them build depth this year. They bring in a ton of dudes from Miami. But for me, the biggest story is Preston Stone. It's the Stone Age in Dallas. He takes over at quarterback. He's been the uh, backup for the last two years. Former four-star recruit. SMU might have the best wide receiver room in the G5, even without Rasheed Rice. I love the weapons they have. Their offensive line is experienced. Offense should be loaded. And most importantly, I like this schedule. It's a cakewalk. They don't play Tulane. They don't play UTSA. They don't play FAU. SMU should be favored in every conference game this year. So they have the best chance to get to the conference title game. And I'll take that plus 350 in my pocket come December. All right, I'll keep the positivity going here with an over. Over four and a half in Fort Collins, Colorado. Colorado State coming in this year off of a three and nine campaign. But when you dig into the numbers... 
Clay Millen, their freshman quarterback last year, set the NCAA record for a freshman as, in terms of completion percentage for a first-year starter, 72.2%. He was incredible despite the fact that he was underdressed the whole season. Their offensive line was horrific. They had 59 sacks. That was the worst in the FBS. And what did they do? They went straight to the portal. A lot of big dudes with starting experience, 66 starts coming in through the portal. And now their offensive line averages over six foot four and 300 pounds. And if you listen to Colin Wilson during our Mountain West preview, he talked about sitting down at media days with Jay Norvell, the head coach. And he pointed out that his offensive linemen, he pointed to his chest, weren't so big last year. Now they got some big boys protecting Millen, and that's great news because their receiving core is electric. Torrey Horton is a guy who could go for 1,000 yards, 10 touchdowns. And then when I also look at their defense, they bring back four of their five starters in the secondary. It was one of the best defenses in conference play against the pass last year in the Mountain West. So I think they're going to be the surprise team. I sprinkled on them to win the conference as well, but I love them over four and a half. All right, let's get back to your win total for your second best future in G5 land. Yeah, I'll, I'll stick with an over two. I'm going with Coastal Carolina over seven and a half in the Sun Belt. You know, they, they lose Jamie Chadwell. I think he's a great coach. But Grayson McCall's back. And I think Grayson McCall is worth more than more to this win total than Chadwell was. Nobody followed Chadwell to Liberty. So they basically bring back most of their key pieces, especially on offense. This offense should hum again. It should continue to be one of the most efficient units in the country. Under McCall in his three seasons as a starter, they've gone 10 and 1, 10 and 1, 8 and 2. They have a kind of easy schedule. Their West draws Arkansas State and Texas State. On the East, they get James Madison and Marshall both at home. This total really comes down to McCall's health. If McCall plays nine games, they should win at least eight of them. Give me over seven and a half. I'm riding with the Chanticleers. All right, I'll close this up with a little negativity. I'm going big time under on UAB. And for those of you not in the know, this is not the UAB team of the last two years. Bill Clark gone. Bryant Vincent, the interim coach who the players stumped for. They wrote a letter to the university president. This is our guy. He went, nope, I know better. I know who I'm going to bring in here. Trent Dilfer, known egomaniac. He's now in. And what happened in the offseason? Massive exodus of talent. We can't forget the football. If you want to be a fire breather, make sure you sign up today. In terms of Colin Wilson's net tarp, which measures the uh, returning production and transfer activity, they were negative 12 overall. That's worse in the entire country. Negative seven on offense, worse in the entire country. And now, just broke over the weekend, Drew Tuazama, one of their best defensive linemen, which was going to be their only strength of this entire team, is now off to South Carolina as a late grad transfer. This is really bad news. And Trent Dilfer apparently is this quarterback whisperer because he was, you know, the summer camp counselor at Elite 11 who could possibly coach up five-star kids. He doesn't have a five-star kid. He's got Jacob Zeno who had a 34 QBR last year. Good luck, Trent. There's two winnable games on the entire schedule, North Carolina A&T and USF. The rest of them are all losable. I see them going three and nine at best. This is an implosion. I'm hoping for a team mutiny. I know. What are your thoughts on the Blazers? I have, well, I have a question. I'm just curious, Breeze, since you know Trent Dilfer has never been a coach at in the college level. I'm assuming he aligned himself with people with tons of experience that, you know, say coordinators, correct? You know, it's interesting. It's kind of like Elon Musk taking over Twitter X, whatever we're calling it now. <laughs> he just knows better. He's smart. Who needs all these engineers? Who needs all these experienced assistants and coordinators? Nah, he went ahead and hired seven out of his 10 position coach position coaches. They've never coached up an FBS squad, an FCS squad. They've never done it in college, just like him. So it seems like it, it's a perfect marriage of people that don't know what they're doing and a talent 
devoid roster. Man, this is probably my favorite under, and it pains me because I love UAB. I hope they just cut ties with him midseason, and they can just do a full rebuild, restock themselves to the portal next year. Maybe get Brian Vincent back. I think he's the OC at New Mexico. I'm sure he'd love to come back. You know, maybe fire the school president while we're at it. You know, I'm calling for blood here in Birmingham. So I don't care if you blackball me. Before we kick it to Stucky, this is a good time to talk about getting ready for the season. And with the busy fall season just around the corner, you might be looking for some wholesome, convenient meals for jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. And you're not the only one listening in. Our producer, Matt Mitchell, has been a user of Factor, and I can attest he used to have some issues with getting the best food into his body, but Factor ready-to-eat meal kit has made his lifestyle a lot easier. Matt, give us a spin of what it's like to be a Factor user. So I love Factor. I have tried all of the various meal kits and meal preparation programs along with my, my wife, Factor's by far our favorite. It's the one we've stuck with the longest. I think the food is delicious. I am not particularly picky. I just want to make sure there's enough food. That's probably my favorite part of Factor is their portions are very nice. I also love that it takes exactly two minutes to eat because it's not frozen. Just two minutes in the microwave and you're ready to go. So when I'm busy editing down 17-hour Stucky College Football podcasts into something people can enjoy, Factor fits in very nicely there, and it tastes great. And for my wife, who's extremely picky, there's always something that she gets excited about eating. They have so many different things to choose from. And I'll also note, unlike a lot of their competitors, Factor is always delivered on time, which is very important, especially when you're very hungry leading up to, say, a Ohio-San Diego State Week Zero game, and you don't have a second to spare. So can't say enough about Factor. Highly encourage giving it a shot for any of our listeners. If you're running a two-minute offense like Matt Mitchell, this could fit into your lifestyle perfectly. And this August, you can get Factor and enjoy eating all of these meals without the hassle right away. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door. Head to factormeals.com slash BBOC50 and use code BBOC50 to get 50% off. That's code BBOC50 at factormeals.com slash BBOC50 to get 50% off. All right, that's it for us here in G5 land. We're kicking it back to the Power 5 boys, Colin and stuff. All right, good stuff there. Let's start. We could go alphabetically again. Let's start in the American. Ionella liked SMU to win the conference. You can find like plus 330, plus 350 out there. I agree. I actually played that myself. I'm a huge Preston Stone guy. It's the Stone Age. I like a lot of the pieces that they brought in in the offseason, and I love the schedule. But I'll also throw out another future that I really like. is Florida Atlantic to win the AAC. Hopefully I get FAU against SMU in the championship game. But I love Tom Herman. I think he's a big upgrade as a coach down in Boca. And I just love the potential of this roster. I mean, Casey Thompson... At quarterback, he can really shine at this level with his tools against this these defenses. And he's already familiar with Herman's system. He, by the way, he might he's not even named the starter yet. I assume he will, but they also have Daniel Richards in there, so they have good quarterback depth. And that's you know, if there's an injury or just someone to fall back on, they have a loaded backfield. Larry McCammon's one of the best running backs in the country that most have never heard of. 
massive offensive line with upperclassmen all over the place and a really good offensive line coach. So, I mean, new offensive coordinator Charlie Fry, he's, he's got a lot to work with. He's even got two good receivers, two power five transfer tight ends. This offense just oozes with potential. And I really like the defense. I mean, there's just a lot of good pieces. Here. The defensive tackles, that rotation, they have four guys who can really play. If they can just find a more consistent edge rush with these juniors who are returning, and then got, got to find a couple guys at linebacker. That's the biggest weakness. But I really like the safeties. I really like the corners that are returning. This secondary could be a strength in this conference. So, yeah, I, I like a lot about this team, and that includes the schedule. They host both UTSA and Tulane, and they avoid SMU and Memphis. And as a result, they have an extremely manageable AAC road slate. USF, Charlotte, UAB, and Rice. Those are the road conference games for FAU. Love the potential of this team, so I took a shot on them, plus 650 to win the league. Any thoughts there? Oh, by the way, I mentioned UAB, um, which Calvary's mentioned under. I wholeheartedly agree. UAB <laughs> under four and a half. It's going to be a mess. Um, so, yeah, UAB under. Agree with Calvary's. SMU. I agree with Ionella. And then I also played an FAU future, which is my favorite bet in the AAC. Any thoughts there? Well, I'm waiting for UAB to get torched this season in every single game as if a dragon was uh, breathing on them, but not too bad. I love Alex Mortensen. I'm not sure he has the qualifications yet to be the offensive coordinator at, at a at a FBS program, uh, but he was a former Arkansas quarterback. He is a former Arkansas uh, um, analyst, uh, position coach, and, and at Alabama too. He's got the pedigree to do this. So that is the lone bright spot that I like out of this UAB team. But at the end of the day, Trent Dilfer is the one that's going around making statements that are just not true, giving these kids really bad life advice uh, with some of the things that he says. And then an audio drop where he's like, I'll call ESPN. I got some buddies there. Like, come on, stop. By the way, come try to get my guys. I dare you, <laughs> Power Fives. I got a pretty big platform that I can step on. Yeah. And if I find you in my kids' DMs, I'm going to call your out and it's going to make game day and it's going to make sports center because by the way those guys running sports center are still my friends you are not prepared for this job whatsoever so uab is just going to be a disaster of a program but it is heavily juiced on the under five because of the downside i played some under four and a half uh plus 105 last night that's i prefer that to the juiced five yeah yeah, I completely agree on Florida Atlantic. Uh, I would still take them right now. Florida, uh, you know, what we mentioned about that team, I think before, you know, Tom Herman coming in got a gift from the gods from a scheduling perspective. Plus, Casey Thompson transfers in from Nebraska, but previously at Texas, which was Tom Herman's quarterback. Uh, that is a really good marriage that they're going to have going on down there. Other than that, all the numbers that I hit back in the summer have all moved. I still love South Florida, but it's now three and a half, not, I'm sorry, it's four and not three. I still have Memphis over seven that I took, but it's at eight. And then Old Dominion on the under at four, I loved uh, pre, you know, a couple months ago, and that's down to three and a half. So I still love all that stuff, but they have moved. I don't show as much value. I would still play it. Yeah, the I agree on Memphis. I guess I, I would still play it now, but yeah, it's a lot tougher after the movement. And Old Dominion, we're, we're going to, you're, 
getting ahead of yourself. That's they're not in this conference. They're in the Sun Belt. Oh, I'm sorry. Which we will get to. But we could just go there now. Let's go to the Sun Belt. It was a, a nice accidental transition <laughs> by you. I know we'll mention Coastal over seven and a half wins. He is trusting the quarterback, which isn't a bad idea, but I, I don't show enough value to get involved with McCall there. I am going with Old Dominion. Under three and a half wins, minus 110. This team is a mess. You can add on if you want, but there's nothing to like about this team. I also still show a significant amount of value under three and a half. Let's look at the schedule and the projections. They will beat Texas A&M Commerce, I assume, and there'll be double-digit dogs in five games. So let's call that one in five. So they need to get three wins to go over this win total of the remaining six. Those six games, I have them as a dog in all of them, right around a touchdown in five and a field goal underdog in the other. So I basically just need them to not go three and three in six games where they will be an underdog of, you know, right around a touchdown in almost every game. Ah. I also don't like anything that's going on with this team. Big time transition, lots of changes. It's going to be a rough year for ODU. Give me, I know it's a low number, but give me under three and a half. That is my favorite belt, favorite bet in the belt. You agree there? And uh, anything else? Yeah, jump the jump the gun there on Old Dominion and under. I, I love that. And then the over. I think the team that's not being rated properly in terms of to South Alabama is Troy. I love Troy this year. I would still take the over at eight. Uh, this is a team that I project 9.3 wins. So I would even take it at eight and a half. I'd even take a little bit at nine. Uh, they are a class above when it comes to an, from an offensive perspective, they return 80% of their offense, but the strength of this team is on the defense, uh, top 10 and finishing drives. If you guys haven't seen out on action network, I put out a piece last week about how success rate explosiveness and finishing drives applies to covering tickets against the spread. Shocker. It's all about finishing drives. And that is something Troy is a top 10 team on a defense. I don't expect that to change, even though they return about just 60% of their defense. It doesn't matter. It's scheme. It's coach derivative. Uh, Troy right there definitely is ripe for more over tickets, uh, even at eight and a half or nine. All right. Good stuff there. Let's move on to Conference USA. The new look Conference USA. I'm going to go with New Mexico State under six at even money. You could, if you want to pay the more expensive juice, go under six and a half. You could do that, but I prefer in this case to go under six plus one hundred. First of all, this big numbers play. Uh, I show enough edge to get involved here, just from a pure projection standpoint. But let's make the case of why I love this. New Mexico State is getting. Way too much love in the market. I, I really don't get it. Maybe because of the way they finished last year. And mm. they did go 6-6 six and six in the regular season. But let's take a look at how they got there. They beat a completely rebuilding mess of a Hawaii team. They beat New Mexico. They beat UMass. And then, and Lamar, and then Lamar. So those are their first four wins. Hawaii. New Mexico, UMass, and Lamar. Then they beat Liberty, 
Impressive win, right? Liberty quit. Never showed up with all the Hugh Freeze rumors. Didn't get off the bus. So, New Mexico State said, oh, we want to go to a bowl. Then they scheduled Valparaiso and beat Valparaiso. So their <laughs> six wins in the regular season were Hawaii, New Mexico, UMass, Lamar, Valparaiso, and the Corpse of Liberty. That was their six wins. So this two this FCS. Is, yeah, two FCS, a corpse, a completely rebuilding brand new Hawaii team, UMass and New Mexico. I, I mean, an absolute joke. Their <laughs> win total last year was three. That's what they were on pace to do. Now it's six. I get the schedule is easy. But, and look, they got arguably have what, uh, it's arguably the easiest schedule of any FBS team. They play 13 games, by the way. Probably like nine are winnable. Um, but I don't think they're going seven and two in those games. I could even see them losing to UMass in the opener. The offense returns a lot, but it's bad. The defense was the strength of the team last year. I liked a lot on the back end of that day. Tons of losses at linebacker, and especially in the secondary. Safety, really, really problematic area, in my opinion. And last year, that was a strength. So I think the defense is going to take a big step back. The offense still stinks, and I just can't get to this number uh, at all. So, yeah, give me New Mexico State under six. Should be a fun one to sweat because they play a ton of bad teams. Um, But I I think this team – We'll end up with more in the four to five range. Um, so yeah, give me under six. Any thoughts there? And you got anything in Conference USA? No, I completely agree with you. I've got one. I've got two more Conference USA's. I'll be real quick. I love Liberty uh, to go to the championship game. So I took them plus 250 to win outright uh, of the Conference USA. Only seven of the nine teams are even eligible to get into this Conference USA championship game. Liberty by far returns more than anybody. I do believe in Jamie Chadwell coming to town, running a different offense. He's got plenty of quarterbacks out there. We can debate whether Caden <laughs> Salter is good or not, and the rest of the quarterbacks on this roster are good or not, but I think they're good enough to get to the championship game, potentially against Western Kentucky. But if you get there at a plus 250, you can do whatever you want with that ticket. The other one I'll pick on is Middle Tennessee, under six and a half. This just is not getting enough attention in the market. Win total projection for me is at 4.9. They return less than 10% of their passing yards. Uh, Chase Cunningham is out after five years. Uh, they're essentially a toss-up at every single position uh, on the roster. Their top-ranked pass breakup D, they only re- return about 44% to those uh, pass breakups. And then just everything a- across the board, 39% of the offense returns, only 55% of the defense returns. You start the season with Alabama and Mizzou. So Middle Tennessee is going to struggle with depth identifying starters and then identifying a second string and you're starting your season with Alabama and Missouri. Like what are you going to be from an injury perspective when you get to the end of September here? That is something I would heavily worry about, but this schedule, I don't see how you get to seven wins. So project them 4.9. Uh, I don't think this is going to sweat and I don't think this is getting enough attention in the market. So uh, you know, we'll see what they can do. They were top 20 in tackling and havoc last year, but you lose so much off of that defense not sure you can replicate it. So Middle Tennessee under. Yeah, I mean the schedules, their home schedule is pretty 
easy, but um, I actually show a tad bit of value on that as well. All right, let's move on to the Mountain West. Uh, I'll kick things off with Utah State under five wins, minus 135 is what I bet last night. Still can find that out there. I'm super low on this team, which was just gutted by departures in the offseason. A number of really important uh, defenders left in the spring. All of the quotes from Anderson, who also has two new coordinators, he'll be calling plays this year. It just seems like he knows that this team is going to be bad. Everything that I'm hearing, and he's like, we just can't afford to have this much turnover, and it might be a rough year. Like, if you kind of just read between the lines, I think he's kind of telling us that this team is going to struggle. I'm not a Cooper Legas guy. Um, you know, he, they lose their star running back. Offensive line is gutted. And if you look last year, this is a team that went six and seven. They, and by the way, all those spring departures, another bad sign. But uh, they went six and seven last year, seven losses by double digits, four and oh in one possession games. Also could have some special teams regression, close game regression. And last year, similar to New Mexico State, let's break down this schedule. Okay, so. They basically just got blown out and then won all their close games. But who who did they play? They got that rebuilding Hawaii team, just like New Mexico State. They played the rebuilding Colorado State team with their third-string quarterback making their his collegiate debut, and it was a disaster. Uh, I think Legas only threw for like 80 yards in that game, and they won by like 13 to 10 or something. They also played... Uh, the fading, tanking San Jose State team at the end of the year who just wasn't the same after that tragedy on campus. Uh, also played New Mexico's, New Mexico's backup. So, I mean, how they got to their six wins is just a joke. Just won close games against backups and rebuilding teams. Well, now the schedule gets just exponentially tougher than it was last year. They're the only team in the Mountain West to play all five top projected finishers. And if you look, like I, I just don't see where six wins are going to come from. Here's, like if you break down the schedule from a projection standpoint, based on my power ratings, they will beat Idaho State. And they're du- I have them double-digit dogs in eight games. So right there, like the, if they win the others, which is, Idaho State will give them that win. A coin flip I have at New Mexico. Uh, you know they'll be maybe Nevada's going to be Nevada's going to be a little better, but Utah State will be favored in that game. Maybe I don't know, close to a touchdown, seven to ten tops. So let's give them that win. So let's give them Nevada. Let's give them Idaho State. They get Colorado State and at New Mexico. Those are two coin flips. And then eight games as double-digit underdogs like at Iowa, at Air Force, JMU, at UConn, Fresno, at San Jose State, at San Diego State, Boise. Where? How is this team getting the six wins? I don't like anything that's going on here. Major losses at defensive end. Uh, in the secondary, those two important receivers, their star running back. Uh, close game regression is coming. Schedule gets a lot harder. 
you know, Anderson hitting this is going to be bad. He's trying to call plays now with new coordinators and while trying to manage the team with all this turnover. I think it's going to be ugly. Give me the under Utah State, under five. Agree there? And anything else you see? Completely agree, but I'm going to switch over because we are a Colorado State podcast. We are a Jay Norville podcast. Uh, so, you know, I did take Mountain West. My long shot future was them to win the Mountain West of 40 to one. I would still take that as a long shot future, you know, low investment, but I would still take it down to about 25 to one. I uh, love what's going on at Colorado State. This was a completely revamped roster last year. Jay Norvell stepped into a situation where completely starting from scratch. I would call it, you know, not a year zero, more like a year negative. One, this season, what they did prove last year is a quarterback, Clay Millen, can hit Torrey Horton Torrey on a dime anywhere season, in the baby. field. Probably, yeah, Torrey Horton, probably the most explosive wide receiver on a G5 level. And when after talking to Jay Norvell uh, this summer, you know, Justice what, Ross Simmons you is about? named – I talked to him on Mountain West Media Days, hmm, in case you guys didn't know I was there. Um, and he told me that Justice Ross Simmons was going to be a huge name this fall for you fantasy players out there. If you're looking for a cheap sleeper, uh, Justice Ross Simmons is definitely the guy I would look at. But they're going to be explosive from the wide receiver position. Yes, I understand that the offensive line is does not have the depth. Injuries could hurt this team. Uh, but at the same time, they have enough potent skill position players to make a rumbling and a conference full of offenses that are kind of anemic. So I definitely like Colorado state from that standpoint. Um, and you know, one of those anemic ones was Wyoming. I took them 13 to one to win the mountain West would take it down to 12, 11 to one, wherever the market might be, but this is the best defense in the mountain West offense might be the worst. Uh, but you know what? The bar was so low last year. There's only one way to go, but up, there's not really anything I could say is, you know, what they're going to do offensively. You know, it's going to be about 70% run, uh, ground and pound, and then the defense is going to try to do their thing, cause some havoc and get some scores that way. So if they get any kind of elevated play from the offensive side of the ball, Mountain uh, uh, Wyoming definitely has potential to play in the championship game. So uh, other than that, I got a lot of negativity for Boise State on the under. It's a number I project below even the eight and a half that it's at now. I'm not a fan of Bush Hamden coming in at offensive coordinator. He's going to run something different than what Dirk Cotter did last year, who turned Taylor Green into a different quarterback, let him loose outside the pocket and do what you know he does best. And Bush Hamden comes in and says, I would like to limit Taylor Green to leaving the pocket just five to eight times in a game. Well, he needs to get out there about 15 times to make this Boise State offense go. I don't have confidence that Hamden can call a better game than Cotter. Uh, and I don't have confidence that Taylor Green's going to be a better quarterback under this new regime at offensive coordinator. So I'm going against Boise on the under on the season win total. Yeah. Good. Getting back to Colorado state, they could, if they can just somehow figure out the offensive line in the, yep. it could be one of the most improved teams in the country. I think the defense, I like some of the piece they brought in on defense really experienced unit there. And it's year two of the air raid. I love Horton. And if you look they, back, Jay Norvell, year two of the air rated Nevada, went from three and nine to eight and five. And if they figure out that offensive line, the upside is there. And by the way, they get to host Boise Air Force, San Diego State, and avoid Fresno, which means they don't face any of the top four projected teams on the road, which you have to like. If that offensive line is together, and takes a big step because it was a mess. It gave to get like five sacks per game. Um, they then sh- they could scare Washington State in the opener. 
they should not be getting 10 points against Colorado and the game of the year line. If you can find, I know there's a couple shops in Vegas. There might be able to find it in other States, otherwhere, but plus 10 against Colorado. Look at Colorado's schedule. You're going to come off of what Nebraska and you got Oregon on the look ahead. Colorado State should not be getting 10 points against Colorado. So that is definitely a game of the year play. All right. That will do it for 10 conferences. Anything, do you have anything in, uh, all of our Notre Dame fan listeners always get mad because we go through the conferences and then don't give enough attention to the independents, which are dwindling. We're down to just Army, Notre Dame, UConn, and UMass. Anything you like or want to mention, the independents? No, I'll save all the Notre Dame talk for our Week Zero podcast. Make sure and tune in for that. I I have money down on Navy, so I'll have a full explanation on that. And um, <laughs> that's a that's a huge game to break down this weekend. So I'll save the Notre Dame chatter for that. Perfect. Um, yeah, and I'll save the UMass chatter for the Week Zero podcast. Army could be a mess. Didn't Army just lost a, a quarter a quarterback for the season who could have started as well. So. Um, yep. and we'll be sure to talk about UConn as well, but nothing from a win total perspective from either of us there. Great stuff. Hope you enjoyed this recap. Make sure you also check out the Action Network app and all of the previous preseason conference preview episodes for more in-depth analysis on every single team in college football. We do have one final order of business. We are going to unveil our second annual Action Network All-American team. First team offense, quarterback, Caleb Williams, USC. Running back, Quinshawn Judkins, Ole Miss. Wide receiver, Marvin Harrison Jr., Ohio State. Wide receiver, Roma Dunes, Washington. Wide receiver, Jacob Cowing, Arizona. Tight end. Brock Bowers, Georgia. Offensive tackle, Olu Fashunu, Penn State. Offensive guard, Cooper Beebe, Kansas State. Center, Bo Limmer, Arkansas. Offensive guard, Christian Mahogany, Boston College. Offensive tackle, J.C. Latham, Alabama. First team defense, defensive end, Jared Verse, Florida State. Defensive end, Layatu Latu, UCLA. Defensive tackle, Dion Walker, Kentucky. Defensive tackle, Junior Tafuna, Utah. Linebacker, Harold Perkins, LSU. Linebacker, Junior Colson, Michigan. Linebacker, Barrett Carter, Clemson. Cornerback, Kool-Aid McKinstry, Alabama. Cornerback, Kalen King, Penn State. Safety, Cameron Kinchins, Miami. Safety, Javon Bullard, Georgia. First team specialist, kicker, Joshua Cardi, Stanford. Punter, Tory Taylor, Iowa. Returner, Jalen Lucas, Indiana. Offensive player of the year, Caleb Williams. Defensive player of the year, Kool-Aid McKinstry. So that is the second annual Action Network All-American team. I'll share my thoughts with you later and later in the week when I go through it on the podcast, I'll say where I disagree, but I will call you a homer. I knew that there was going to be at least one Arkansas player on there. 
So you snuck Limmer in at center. Uh, but good stuff there. Check out actionnetwork.com, the Action Network app, if you also want to see the recap there. But that'll do it for us. Thanks to our producer, Matt Mitchell. Thanks to Mike and Mike for sharing their thoughts. Thanks, as always, of course, to Colin. And thanks to all of you for tuning in. We are less than a week away. Get all of your win totals, futures in. Make sure you shop around. And get ready for week zero with us on the week zero preview episode, which will be out on Thursday morning. Cannot wait. Let's have a season. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe. Tell a friend, tell an enemy. You know the deal. Leave a five-star review. I'll do I'll do giveaways. Doesn't matter what you say. Just leave a five-star review. That really helps us out, especially at this time of the year. But that'll do it for us. It's time to go crack the books and find some week zero and week one winners. We'll see y'all later in the week. Cheers. Peace out. Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.